This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. Today is Friday, August 12th. Coming up, when the Marlboro neighborhood in South Kansas City was declared a blighted zone, one artist wanted to use native flowers to bring new color to the area. It's very stressful and it feels bad to live in a blighted place. So I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if this neighborhood was just full of butterflies? Plus, after playing South by Southwest earlier this year, a Kansas City rapper is making a name for himself on the local scene. You know, I'm trying to change the, the narrative and the beautiful part is a lane of my own. How Alan Wayne, the prodigy, is sharing his KC roots with the hip hop world. But first, some headlines. More than a week after the election, the Republican primary for Kansas treasurer is still too close to call. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service has more. State Representative Stephen Johnson leads State Senator Karen Tyson in the race by only hundreds of votes. About 20,000 provisional ballots across Kansas have yet to be counted. Those votes could change the race. But the candidates only have until the end of the week to request a recount. That's before the three largest counties finish sorting their provisional ballots. Brian Kasky of the Kansas Secretary of State's office says that leaves the candidates in limbo before the deadline. And they're not going to have the final answer. But unfortunately, that's that's where the law is today. The office has proposed changing state law to simplify the deadlines. The winner of the race will face incumbent Democrat Lynn Rogers. A music conductor is suing the University of Kansas, claiming she was paid less than men holding similar positions at the university. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. Carolyn Watson was director of orchestral studies at KU from August 2018 until a few weeks ago when she resigned. She claimed she was offered way less than male ensemble leaders at the school and that when she complained to the dean, he threatened to revoke her employment offer. Watson is now director of orchestras at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, according to her LinkedIn profile. The profile does not list her tenure at KU. Locally, Watson led performances of the Kansas City Chamber Orchestra, the Kansas City Ballet, and the Lyric Opera of Kansas City. Worlds of Fun is bringing back one of its most popular roller coasters next year to celebrate its 50th anniversary. KCUR's Rachel Schnelli has more on the reimagined Zambezi Zinger. The new Zambezi Zinger will be more than 2,000 feet long and 74 feet tall, almost 17 feet higher than the original. The two-minute ride will take passengers around banked turns, up a spiral ascent, and drop them through the trees. The Zinger was one of the original three roller coasters when Worlds of Fun opened in 1973. It closed in 1997. The Zinger's reappearance is one of several new events for the 2023 season. He may not be a household name in his hometown yet, but Alan Wayne, known on stage as The Prodigy, wants to share his Kansas City roots with the hip-hop world. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV reports. Tucked away in a Lenexa recording studio, The Prodigy is locked in. He's laying down vocals for his upcoming LP, Still Counting. No, we can't even look at ourselves in the mirror because we can't admit what we've done. We try to escape our mistakes, but in reality, it's only in the circle we run. Prodigy and his studio engineer are working tirelessly into the night to perfect his sound. But as they listen back to the album's first single, Hustle All My Life, the engineer notices something missing from the beat. Q. Shane Borth, an Emmy-winning composer and violinist, also from Kansas City, who adds a flowing violin riff live in the studio. Prodigy is sold on his musicianship. The instrumental phrase reminds him of the legendary Motown studio known as Hitsville, USA. If it works, 
I'm thinking it might be overkill, but then we listen to the song again and I couldn't unhear it. The single he hopes will win over those Kansas City hip hop fans who have historically shown more enthusiasm for out of town artists. While the city's natural profile has grown on the sports scene and for remote workers looking for a low cost of living, it's still one of the most underrated hip hop scenes in the country, according to the culture website Complex. Kansas City's most notable rapper is Tech 9 who was an early influence on Prodigy's style and cadence. Tech is also credited with developing Kansas City's variation of the Chopper rap style, a hallmark of Prodigy's sound as well. But Prodigy wants to infuse the sound with other Kansas City signatures too, blending hip-hop with jazz and classical music. His goal is to embody the rich history that shaped him. You know, I'm trying to change the, the narrative and the beautiful part is a lane of my own. It's very uninfluenced, very unintentional. Prodigy also wants to honor his own history, particularly his education at Lincoln College Preparatory Academy, consistently ranked as one of the state's top high schools. Got a lot of my everything from Lincoln. Atop a hill on 21st Street and Woodland Avenue, the school overlooks downtown and the capital of American jazz, the 18th and Vine District. For Williams, this was a safe haven from his chaotic home life and where he first earned his stage name. I had a sophomore English teacher, Miss Skaggs, I believe it was, she knew I was a writer in the poems and things like that. And she had got her hands on some of my stuff and she's the one who told me I was a prodigy. Another teacher pushed him to take his talents to the stage. A uh, drama teacher, Miss James, I used to rap in there all the time and she knew I was good. It was her who put me on stage and made me do what I was doing in the class for, for the school. And after that ovation, the ovation changed my life. Which is why 20 years after his graduation, Prodigy seized an opportunity to come back to Lincoln last year to support the school's Blacknificent fundraiser, which helps black college-bound seniors. After hearing his music, another former teacher, Joyce Wynn Hernandez, reached out to him about joining the scholarship drive. The effort raised $13,000. Prodigy called it an unforgettable moment. That was a major bucket list. Despite his deep ties to Kansas City, Prodigy wasn't well known here until recently. In March, he played the South by Southwest Music Festival in Austin, Texas, the biggest gig of his young career. Riding that wave, he performed last month at the mini bar near Westport. Slowly but surely, Prodigy's local fan base has begun to blossom, including Aaron Saunders, who showed up and showed out to celebrate him at the mini bar. I knew his verses from tech songs and stuff, and I was like, hey, that's the dude right there. Like when I heard him spit his music and I seen the show, I was like, that dude is crazy. I gotta meet him, I gotta say what's up. As Kansas City's growth into a global destination continues, Prodigy is hoping he can be the voice that leads newcomers towards its distinctive hip-hop culture. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Lawrence Brooks IV. Alan Wayne, the Prodigy, is scheduled to headline the Open Gem USA Tour in Kansas City this Sunday at Record Bar. Native flowers and insects are springing up in Kansas City on a mural at 77th Street under the Paseo Bridge. Julie Denache reports for KCUR on a local artist who's bringing beauty to a neglected corner of the metro. The August air is warm and thick with humidity as painter Julie Farstad adds green details to a heart-shaped redbud leaf she's painting. She's working on one of her series of murals featuring Missouri's native plants and insects. But the concrete walls under the bridge here are rough and soak in a lot of paint. Yeah, there's a few areas where it's super bumpy and it's really weird to paint on. 
Farstead's a professor of painting at the Kansas City Art Institute. She lives nearby in South Kansas City's Marlboro neighborhood. Marlboro is a really great neighborhood. Active neighbors, people who help each other, kids who play together. The neighborhood stretches south from 77th Street to 85th Street and east from Truce to Prospect. But in early 2020, boarded up homes and run down buildings were so common, the city designated nearly 350 acres of it as a blighted area. On one hand, that's good for us because they give us some sort of tax incentive, and that's great. But also, it's very stressful and it feels bad to live in a blighted place. So I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if this neighborhood was just full of butterflies? Farstad calls her ongoing project Flowers for Marlboro, and she started by growing plants from seed, butterfly milkweed, Indian blanket, and more. She held plant giveaways in her front yard. Then the boarded up windows of abandoned homes became the canvas for her paintings of native flowers. She also holds pop-up painting sessions for local kids. But this mural is Farstad's most ambitious project yet. The cool part of it is just dealing with a scale like this. You have to be able to like just trust your ability to make it work out. And I kind of like that risk. You know, it's like walking a tightrope. Painting allows Farstad to slow down and observe the natural world. It's a skill she enjoys teaching others. It's through drawing and painting plants that I got into native plants because I started asking the question like, why is this like this? What does this leaf do? Why is it this shape? What animals benefit from it? Earlier this year, Farstad held a pop-up painting event at Marlboro Elementary School. Good morning! So I'm going to pass out some paintbrushes. She brought purple coneflower for families to paint. It looks a little like a daisy with a spiny orange center and bright purple petals. Okay, do you want to know something interesting about this flower? It's called Echinacea purpurea and native bumblebees love these, hummingbirds love these, goldfinches love to eat the seeds. Her goal is to transform the way people see beauty in their yards and to encourage them to restore the plants that once grew here. One of the things that I love so much is just watching all of the butterflies in my backyard and all of the bees and watching their behavior and feeling happy that they are getting to eat something that you planted for them. But native plants aren't just beautiful, they're survivors and they've evolved to thrive in this climate. Farstad says plants like these are important in urban areas because they help prevent flooding. Their long roots soak up stormwater runoff and keep it out of the sewers. That's something grass lawns just don't do. If we could teach people that it's beautiful to live with different sized plants, it's beautiful to see them relating to one another, it's beautiful to see dragonflies and butterflies and native bees interacting. Back at the mural, Farstad still has a lot of work to do, but she says she's leaving one section open intentionally so other people in the neighborhood can paint a few flowers of their own. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Julie Denishay. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. 
To read Julie's story about the Marlboro mural and Lawrence's story about Prodigy, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll take a look at Missouri's upcoming ballot initiative to legalize recreational marijuana. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Hey, I'm KCUR Studios intern Paris Norvell. Every episode of A People's History of Kansas City brings you up close and personal with a particular person's story, and there's over like 20 episodes waiting for you right now. Like one about the founder of Kansas City's famous barbecue flavor, or about how a local broadcaster carved out a space for Black-owned radio. And there's so many more stories ready for you to discover. Check out the vault of past episodes of A People's History of Kansas City. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app.